Well, good morning, Unveiled Church. Happy birthday, Unveiled Church. <laughs> if you're a first-time visitor with us, we want to extend a special welcome to you and say we hope that you enjoy the service with us and that God will really bless you. Some of you have been in church so long ago. You qualify as a first-time visitor. First time this year. Where were all of you last week? Why did you, why did you put me through that? Just want to get that out of the way. <laughs> Thought I had to go and look for another job. <laughs> well, we hope that you enjoy the service. For everybody watching from home, special welcome to you. If you're joining us for the first time as well, we want to extend a special welcome to you. And we pray that God will really bless you. Come on, let's give it up for our online, our, our family watching online. We want to welcome you as well. And part of our worship is just to give into God's kingdom. We're not a stingy church. We're a church that believes in giving. And uh, we just usually show, share something short about it. I'm going to ask my brother from another mother. Vickers, come on, let's give him a hand just to come and quickly share with us. Thank you, Pastor Norman. So anyone who knows me knows I'm a bit of like a grammar police and like, if you use words, use the right words. Yes, I know, I'm one of those weirdos. And I was reading Proverbs, and it said, Honor the Lord with your wealth. Oh, sorry, Proverbs 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. I was like, God, that depends on your definition of wealth. And I was like trying to have this mental argument with the Lord, and he's like, okay, if you want to be a boxer, you can't come to the boxing ring and think like an F1 driver when you want to become a boxer. If you want to be wealthy, you can't come with the poverty mentality. If you want to be a boxer and you train like an F1 driver, you are going to get your nose knocked in. The same in the kingdom. <laughs> it's there for you. The wealth is there for you. But you can't think with a poverty mentality he tells you here, you are wealthy. You just have to accept it. You have to turn that thing in your brain and say, I'm going to give like I'm wealthy. And then hopefully you won't get your nose knocked in. <laughs> Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you've given us instructions, written instructions, because a lot of us need it. And that through, the, through your word, we have all the basic things that we need. And you tell us in there, we are wealthy, we are righteous, and we are blessed. Please help that sink into our minds and our hearts and that we start acting like that. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. There are a bunch of different ways to give. Standard Bank, all the bank details are there. Um, there's a card machine at the back, and yeah, thank you very much. Thanks, because what a profound thought. Amen. God is all about identity change, not just behavioral change. Amen. It's all about identity change. It's so important. Awesome. Every so often, my phone tries to remind me that it's a smartphone, not a dumb phone. And it sends me, um, I don't know if your phone does this. It sends me like a collage of pictures of a previous memory. Like today, eight years ago. You guys do you got the same thing? Today, 12 years ago, when I still had hair. Today, no, I'm just teasing. You know? and, and it gives me this picture collage. And those pictures usually take me back. And I remember those experiences. And for me, a lot of the pictures is of my children. That being said, I've also got an unhealthy bike. Um, but that's another story. I mean, so, and usually my emotions will well up as I remember a certain holiday or event. Uh, one of the last motorbike rides with my, I had with my father came up. And I just realized something. To remember is important. It's important to remember. Well, we, we did this birthday picture collage of our church and uh, um, over 16 years. Amen. Look at that. 
So some of you won't see everything, but there's a lot of memories in there. Where we started at the little theater, then we went to the Orban School in Melville. But being a church in Melville back then had problems for us. It meant a lot of problems. People thought I was gay. Um, <laughs> we had a gay church. And, <laughs> and then obviously some of the outreaches we did. Silver Star. There's a lot of pictures of Silver Star. Obviously we spent a lot of time there. This over here was the very first service we had in Silver Star. And um, I'll never forget... <laughs> I'll never forget, after that service, um, I, we still waved at a family, and the whole family just left. They never came back. And they sent me a message like, we're not going to give our money to a casino. I'm like, you're not giving your money to a casino. <laughs> you're giving it to Jesus. But in any case, lots of memories. Um, our very first service at Farm City and at Fort Tracker. God's been good to us. Amen. And remembering is so important. Even though we do not live in the past, certain memories can lead us to victory. How many of you understand that? And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk to you around the topic, do you not remember? Do you not remember? You know, even people like King David had to encourage himself in the Lord. And how did he do that? He remembered... That a certain giant was slain. When things got difficult in his life, before he faced the giant, Scripture tells us that he remembered the bear and the lion he had to defeat in the field while watching his father's sheep. And only because he remembered that could he face the giant. Amen? I think that's so important. And then Jesus comes in a very interesting story, a very funny story to me, is in Mark 8. And I want to talk to you about that this morning. Mark 8, we read from verse 14. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. In our family with the boys, that's a crisis. Amen. <laughs> then he charged them saying, take heed, beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves saying, is it because we have no bread? But Jesus being aware of it said to them, why do you reason because you have no bread. Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke up the five, the, the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? They said to him, 12. And also, also when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. So he said to them, how is it that you do not understand? I think many of us can relate to this passage without even knowing it. The disciples are sitting with a problem. They are on a journey, a road trip, so to speak. And typical male, they forgot half the stuff at home. Come on, guys. How many of you have ever driven like, I forgot my toothbrush? I forgot my underwear, I forgot this, I forgot that, right? Usually I forget stuff so that I can buy new stuff. That's a trick, you know, like. So they've got one loaf of bread between all of them. I find it funny that the Bible ma mentions this fact so clearly. Why? Because family, this is a real life problem that they faced. It's a real life problem. There are times when we do not have enough. There are times when the budget is so lopsided it's going to fall over, right? There are times when there are more mouths than there are bread. Jesus must have heard them reasoning about this problem like, oh, come on, man, didn't you download the Uber Eats app? Come on, what are we going to do now? How are we going to feed ourselves? What's happening here, right? So Jesus pitches in this piece of advice. He says, guys, take heed. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. To which the disciples promptly responded, huh? What, what, what now? What's that, Jesus? What was Jesus saying? Now, this is interesting. Jesus says, listen, there are two types of leaven. In other words, there's two types of influence in your life that wants to infiltrate 
your life, your thinking, and your doing. Those three things. The influence of the Pharisees, what is that? That is religion. Religion is an influence that wants to come and sit in the way you think, the way you do. It wants to take over your life. And then he says, but also beware of the influence, the leaving of Herod. What is that? That's the world's way of thinking. That's the world's way of doing. Is guys still following me? When both religion and the world mix, family, the effects will be disastrous. It is like a relational atom that splits. I spoke again, I spoke to a, a, a guy this week, a friend of mine, and he's not religious. And I just, I straight up asked him like, dude, where, where did you get hurt? Asked him this week, where did you get hurt? Why, why are you so anti-God? Why are you so anti-religion? And he told me, he says, my, my father. I'm like, uh, so what did your father do? And my father drank. And then he found religion. And then he mixed religion and the drink. That's, that's a crisis, isn't it? Amen. <coughs> I know a bit of, of that. You get a guy that's uber religious. Now he wants to sleep with his girlfriend. So after I sleep with you, I want to do Bible study with you. That's weird, bro. Don't do that. Amen. That's just, that's messed up. You can't mix the two. Now, I mean, don't go quiet on me now. You had church in a casino. Don't be religious with me now. Like, hmm? you, you can't mix up the two. And Jesus says, listen, watch out for these two influences. Either you will become uber religious and you look like you're on a steady diet of lemon juice and broccoli. Like a vampire. Hmm? Or you can be so in the world, so messed up, like Herod, like, well, anything goes, right? And he says, watch out for those two influences in your life. Because Jesus saw an opportunity for teachability. But all these guys could think about was food. They wrote it off as a misunderstanding. Verse 17 says, but Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Now Jesus' response might seem strict. And this phrase, is your heart still hardened, really gets me. Really gets me. Why is that? Because being teachable is a matter of the heart. Our family never stop being teachable. Never, never. You can be in your 80s and still be teachable. You can be 8 and be teachable. But you can be 8 and stubborn and 80 and stubborn. Choose being teachable. Love, over, over um, Christmas time, I sat with my father-in-law. He just, he just turned 83. And he was so excited because my mother-in-law bought him a book that he's never read. Now, <laughs> that in itself is, is a miracle because he's really well read. And he's like, I'm so excited to read about this. It wasn't fiction. It was current affairs. Because he always remains teachable. May we have that attitude, but it's a matter of the heart. Now, I need to say this. Our heart is the core of our being. What I'm going to share with you now can change your life forever. Don't fall asleep on me now. I know it's hot. But don't fall asleep, okay? Smack your neighbor and say, don't fall asleep. Listen, any real change, any real change that happens in our lives, I'm not talking about your new year resolution to go to the gym that you've already stopped doing. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if you want real change, how do I really, really change? How many of you have got a habit that you wish you can change? Come on, let's be honest with ourselves. Like, if I can just change this habit, I'm going to show you how you can change that habit. Amen? For a special subscription every month of $1.99. No, no, I'm just teasing. <laughs> Any real change that happens in our lives happens in our hearts first. Vickers just said it. You cannot, you cannot be a giver with a poverty mentality. You'll never give. You'll grab. You'll never give. 
your heart must be persuaded of the fact that I am a child of God. Therefore, I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing. It belongs to me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Therefore, I am a different person. Amen? Any real change happens in our hearts first. Our boundaries, Proverbs says, our boundaries of our lives are determined by our heart. He says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. That word issues literally means boundaries. Now, if you don't understand a boundary, the wall that extends, the fence that extends around this property determines how large this property is that we're on, right? Does that make sense? So if you're going to move to Melville, going back there, you're going to have a small boundary. Because years ago, people got greedy and they subdivided those beautiful big yards, amen? And built more properties on it. But over here, the properties are large. And that is the issue that's basically around the property. So your heart... The Bible says, guard it, because out of your heart, you determine, you determine how big or how small my life's going to be. Does that make sense? Amen. So if you believe small, you will remain small. If you believe big, you will grow big. If you believe cynical, you will attract reasons for cynicism in your life. Oh, I hope you got that. Whatever is in your heart, you attract into your life. Whatever is in your heart, you attract into your life. Amen? So if you keep on being like, oh, this country. Like many South Africans do. Guess what? You're going to attract more problems. Every taxi in Joburg will find you. They will drive in front of you. They will remind you where you live. Come on. That's the problem with small thinking. For those families living in small towns, don't let the small town determine your life to become small. I found that, that when, when we pastored in a small town, people's thinking was so small. Just, just our little town. That's where gossip comes from. You become obsessed with other people's lives. Because you're unhappy about your own life. Now you gossip about other people. Nobody said amen. Thank you. Okay. Isn't that true? Whatever is in your heart, you attract into your life. Small minds discuss other people. Isn't that true? Amen. So make sure that your heart is filled with faith righteousness, with what Jesus has done for you on the cross of Calvary. Amen. That will extend your life. It will grow your life. Your heart cannot lie. And you cannot lie to your heart. <laughs> the heart always expresses itself. Whatever is in your heart, Jesus said, will come out of your mouth. That's why you go to a bride and a guy with, who has who is, got perverted thoughts will always express himself. Hey, check out that chick walking past you. That's my daughter. Do you want to die? You know? <laughs> like, they, they always express themselves. If somebody is cynical, it always expresses itself. If somebody is filled with bitterness, it will always come out. Amen. Because your heart is the real you. And ever heard the phrase, well, his heart wasn't in it. Ever heard that phrase? His heart wasn't in it. Can I ask you, where is your heart this morning? If there was a ferometer that indicated your heart condition today, where would it be? Would it be hot? Would it be cold? 
What's, what's happening in your heart this morning? Amen? Then Jesus continues in verse 18. He says, having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? Jesus wasn't only talking about physical sight, physical hearing. Jesus says, listen, you've got eyes, but you've also got spiritual eyes. Amen? You, we, we've got spiritual ears. We might live in a physical world, but Jesus says, listen, there's also a spiritual realm. We see and hear in that spiritual realm. And sometimes you need to listen. You need to see with spiritual discernment. Because certain things, certain things might not be obvious. It might be spiritual. If you're still struggling with the same thing over and over, it might be a spiritual attack. Amen. Some matters are matters of the spirit. And this was Jesus' whole point, if I understand this passage correctly. He says, listen, you guys are worrying about the physical matters, like one loaf of bread. But the real issue here is spiritual. There's ways of Herod, of the world, and then there's ways of the Pharisees' religion. But the real important stuff is spiritual. So you need to look and listen like that old shop. Look and listen, right? With spiritual eyes and ears. How many of you still remember look and listen? Come on, amen. Now you won't forget it. Look and listen with spiritual eyes, with spiritual ears. And now, follow this amazing conversation. And he says, last piece of verse 18 and do you not remember i love it do you not remember when i broke the five loaves for the five thousand how many baskets full of fragments that you take up they say to him 12 remember the boy that came remember all the people listen by the way when he said five thousand that's five thousand men not counting women and children so I would say it's safe to say there were over 10,000 people. Little boy comes up. What do you have? Now I've got five loaves, two fishes. Hey, little buddy, watch over there. Thank you. I'll take this. And then they started handing it out. Remember that miracle? And scripture says everybody took as much as they wanted. Amen. Also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And I said, seven. And he said to them, how is it that you do not understand? God had to ask me that question this week. How is it, Norman, that you do not understand? When we go through lack, when we go through challenges, when we go through dark times, what do we do? It's a real question, isn't it? When pain is all that you feel, when disappointment is your constant companion, when fear clouds your perspective, because it does, doesn't it? Because these emotions are real. That's why it's so important to be here on a Sunday. Have you noticed how a Sunday can bring you perspective? That through the week you are struggling, you are fighting, you are battling issues that are very real. And then you come in here on a Sunday and you praise and you worship and the Spirit of God shows up. Even if the cassette player breaks, it's not a cassette. <laughs> How old are you? Like, like when that breaks... And the Spirit of God is still here. And the Spirit of God shows up and brings you perspective. That is why it's so important not to forsake the assembly. But these emotions are real. What do you do? Jesus says, and do you not remember? Jesus reminds His disciples of the previous times he provided for them. How do you forget feeding thousands of people? 
It's not something you forget, is it? Right? They forgot it twice. Like they forgot the bread at home. And the butter. And the marmalade. And the toaster. And the most important of all, the coffee. Amen. Okay, never. Hungry yet? So Jesus drives home this point. That he is a provider that doesn't just provide enough. He provides more than enough. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. You're sitting here, you're worried, you're stressed. Jesus is a provider that provides more than enough. In Jesus' name. And I'm prophesying to you that as this word is going out, as I'm preaching this morning, salvation will come to you. Provision will come to you. God is already orchestrating things on your behalf. He provides seven baskets, 12 baskets left over. And then he clubs them with a, how is it that you do not understand? Guys, how is it that you do not understand? Family, we should ask ourselves the same question this morning. How is it that we fall into the same traps of fear when God has proven himself faithful over and over and over and over again? You are here this morning, aren't you? He's kept your business, hasn't he? You still have food to eat, don't you? You are breathing, you're alive. You can feel the heat, that's a blessing. Not feeling pain, not feeling heat is called leprosy. And some of us develop the spiritual leprosy. We've become so calloused. That we just think the pain is the way it should be. And God wants you to know it's not. This morning he will touch you and he will heal you. He will bring healing to your emotions. Healing to your psyche. Healing to your heart in Jesus name. How is it that our hearts turn so easily away from our faith? Pastor Norman you don't understand what's going on. The fear. It's real. The doctor says it's chronic. The pain is real. Parts of the creditors are closing in. My loved one is one binge away from a catastrophe. How do we battle these realities? How do we overcome when we feel overcome? When we say these things, what do people do? That's why it's sometimes so difficult for us to share our pain and our emotion, isn't it? It's difficult to be, to be candid. Becomes difficult because you know what people do? I'm going to tell you. <laughs> That's why, 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 why <laughs> you sort of put up that reserve. Like, I'm not going to let you close in. I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to keep my mask. I'm going to keep my facade. And you're going to think I'm okay. When you say hella, I'm going to say luya. When you say praise, I'm going to say Jesus. Because that's the language we talk. Because you know what people do? Ach, shame, man. Ach, shame. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. Here's what people do. People pity. People pity. And the last thing we want is a pity party. So when you see someone else go through these things, we see another celebrity commit suicide, we feel pity for them, don't we? I've got good news for you this morning. God will never pity you. Like, what now? God doesn't feel one ounce of pity for your situation. Now let me say it with more anger. God doesn't feel one ounce of pity for your situation. He doesn't. He doesn't pity you. How dare you say such a thing? How dare you? You can't say that. How dare you say God doesn't pity me? Because God doesn't pity you. And let me explain to you why God will never pity you. Pity says, pity looks at your situation and says, Oh, how awful. How awful. Compassion weeps and says, 
God doesn't have pity over you because God has got compassion over you. Amen. Amen. Some of you are really breathing a sigh of relief. Like, I thought I was going to have to sort him out after the service, you know. <laughs> Watch this. Psalm 111 verse 4. Context is everything, people. <laughs> he has made his wonderful works to be remembered. To be remembered. The Lord is gracious and what full of compassion he's full of compassion god poured out all his compassion his tender mercies over us through our lord jesus christ when jesus died and rose for you that is god's compassion on display he had compassion over you when he sent jesus to die on your behalf micah 7 verse 19 is a prophecy it says he will again have compassion on us. Say compassion. And will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. If you've not been baptized, I want to encourage you. Sign up before, while we still have this wonderful waiter, so that we can baptize you. Because you see, God, God takes all our iniquities. And as you go into the water, and you come up, he leaves the iniquities in that sea of forgetfulness. And you come up a new creation in Christ, family. Isn't that amazing? Amen. Amen. How long, pastor, will you keep me underwater? It depends on your tithes and your offerings. No, I'm just, that was a joke. It was a joke. YouTube keyboard warriors, relax, don't. Okay, just like calm down. It was a joke. <laughs> Amen. He will have compassion over us. How did Jesus have compassion over us? By dying on your behalf. <laughs> you see, if you think you're a moral person, if you think you're a good person, you're not going to understand grace. If you think you've got it all together, you're not going to understand grace. You see, when we deserve death and destruction... God gave us compassion. When we deserve the curse of the law, God gave us Jesus. Amen. That's why God will never have pity on you. I saw a, a, a YouTube documentary about um, the famous rock star Chester Barrington from Lincoln Park who committed suicide and they um, interviewed, interviewed his, his widow and just such a sad, sad story. Such talent that's gone, that's wasted. And here's the thing. I found myself afterwards thinking, I've got pity on this situation. I can't do anything about it. It was years ago. I can't do anything about it. It's just something I saw. You see, here's the thing. Pity looks from afar. Compassion rolls up its sleeves and pitches into help. Pity waits for a convenient time. Compassion knows no office hours. Pity is cheap and plentiful. Compassion is rare and priceless and costly. Scripture says that Jesus looked at the multitudes and he was moved with compassion. Come on, somebody. Family, what do we have? I want to say to you that when it comes to God's kingdom, we don't need pity. We need an army that's moved with compassion. Compassion is our currency because it's been freely given to us. So when we look at the history of our church, when we see what has happened, what we've been through the last three, four years. And yet God kept us. Family, you heard our plea last week. You heard it. Do we have pity or are we moved with compassion as a church? Are we going to move forward or are we going to feel pity for ourselves? Are we going to pitch in? Are we going to roll up our sleeves? 
Are we going to do what is necessary to take the next step of faith? I must be honest. I'm waiting to see. Because it's so easy. You know, the church is full of Christians with pity. (laughs) But when it gets uncomfortable, let me pack up and go somewhere else. Because compassion gets our hands dirty. Years ago in school, at school, there was a guy, we were sitting, and they were busy mowing the lawn on those big sports fields. Remember that? It was always some women driving on his cart, like, and he was cutting the, cutting the grass. And this dude looked at me, and he says, like, I love work. I'm like, really? He says, I love work. I can sit for hours and watch people work. <laughs> And that's the church. We're watching other people work. Hope to show up on Sunday and everything is okay. And if it's not okay, three times in a row, they're not doing things in excellence. I'm going to find somebody that does it differently. How presumptuous. What has happened to the army of God? What has happened... To Christians, we filled with pity but not compassion. Jesus was moved with compassion. Jesus was moved that, that he would go to one person. Remember the demoniac that I preached on last week? He sailed across a lake just to get to one person. That society has written off. Jesus could have reasoned, maybe one of John's disciples will find him. Send him a WhatsApp. Listen, there's the location. Go and... Just uh, fix that dude, won't you? (laughs) We delegate. I'm Jesus. I can delegate. He didn't. Jesus was moved with compassion. Every time he healed somebody, every time he saw people, what's, what's the one scripture that says? He saw them as sheep without a shepherd. That moved Jesus to action. And family, if we look around, we see a lot of sheep without shepherds because the sheep walked away. (laughs) Amen. Do we have pity or are we moved with compassion? You see, family, God is compassionate towards you and me. Isn't that amazing? If you're in a difficult time, you want compassion, not pity. Isn't that true? You want compassion. Somebody who comes and says, how are we going to practically solve this problem? How many of you have got some financial needs? Let's be honest. Let's, let, let's, a lot of us got financial needs. Don't we? What's the most infuriating thing that somebody can tell you? Am I being honest? Of course I am. I'll pray for you. Jesus, hallelujah. I found a scripture (laughs) that says, if your brother is in need, and it's within your means to help that brother, and you don't, to you it's sin. Ouch. Ouch. When you're sick, let the elders lay hands on you and pray for you. Come on. I know it's uncomfortable to talk like this. I know. But God knows what He's doing. God understands Scripture. God knows. Amen. Family, may we not be a pitiful church. May we be a compassionate church. Amen. So, as we remember the past 16 years, and we contemplate into the next 16 years, what are we resolving to be as a church? I must be honest, I never thought 
that I would find myself in this place again, pastoring this church. Never thought that I had to rebuild everything. And it wasn't the easy 16 years. Can I just say that? Doing a pioneering work, those of you who start businesses, Donovan, you guys know, it's not easy. <laughs> those first years, <laughs> there's no honeymoon. <laughs> Amen. I never thought that I would have to stand here 16 years in thinking, okay, let's rebuild. Let's rebuild. That's why I'm asking you, if we look at the next 16 years, we've got a choice what it's going to look like. We, we have that choice. Let's not be Christians who pity but do nothing. Let's be an army of believers. I said an army of believers. An army of believers. If you've got no context of what an army is, Go and watch a couple of war movies. Amen. Go watch Saving Private Ryan. I don't think there's a movie that better illustrates. Illustrates standing together. Like if we don't watch each other's backs. If, and I'm talking about covering each other in prayer. We're not going to, we, listen, we're not going to draw spam. We're not going to run away. We're not going to roll over and play dead. We're going to watch each other's backs. You have my back, I have your back. That's integrity. That's the church that I see. There's a spiritual realm out there. There's more unity amongst the forces of darkness than there is in the church at the moment. We're not going to discuss each other behind each other's backs. We're not going to skinner. We're not going to gossip. We're not going to run out on each other. We're going to be there for each other. Come on. That's the church that I'm seeing. That's the church of Jesus Christ. We're an army of believers who are moved with compassion. Do what is necessary to change the world. God has not changed his mind about us. <laughs> God's not looking at our church and like, Ish, sure, COVID hit them hard. Wow. Sure, God's not looking at our circumstances and think, thinking, oh, you know, I should find another church to do what I've called them to do. He's not. You know that, don't you? God is looking at us and like, the mandate stands. The command stands. Unveil Jesus to every heart and home. Where do we do it here? Where do we do it under a tree somewhere? I really feel like joining these churches at the rivers at 3 o'clock in the morning and see if I can't have a shouting competition with that dude. This morning again, like... Bro, really? <laughs> like, I'll have church under a tree if I have to. Might be a bit cooler. <laughs> Amen? But family, what does the next 16 years look like? God has given us a promise. He said the next 10 years, revival, renewal, restoration. He didn't change his mind. Come on, I want to see all our young people stand up. I want to see you fulfill the call and mandate God has given you. I want to see all our elderly people come to the table and say, I'll be a father, I'll be a mother to young people. I want us all to stand up and say, I've got a gift and a call from Jesus Christ and I will fulfill that gift and call in Jesus' name. I'm not just going to stand and survive, live from paycheck to paycheck, crisis to crisis, but I will live my life by design. I will live as a child of God. I will live as a righteous king and priest unto my heavenly Father. When I speak, there's authority. When I walk somewhere, the atmosphere changes because I'm there and every demon in hell has to bow its knee to Christ that's in me. Come on. Is that the church we're going to be? We're going to take ground. We're going to move forward. Amen. We're going to grow. We're not of those, Scripture says, who look back and draw back in fear. 
For God says, my soul has no delight in them. That's what the Bible says, not me. So I'm not going to put my hand to the plow and look back. I'm not going to, listen, I'm not going to long for the pots of Egypt. I'm going to go into the promised land. How about you? Now, I try, uh, listen, I trust in you. I don't want to come and stand there alone like, where's all the people? Welcome to you in the promised land. Thanks, Moses. Did you bring somebody along? Well, I thought they were here. They all stayed back in Krugersdorp. Hmm? No. We're not going to do this alone. We're a church of Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you. We've got certain needs that needs to be met. Who's going to meet it? Who's going to meet it? Amen. I made the needs known last week. One person came from one person. Family, that's not the way it should be. I feel that we stand on the brink of something great. But it's going to take all of us. Not to have pity, but to have compassion. To have compassion. To give sacrificially. To give of your time. To give of your treasure, your money. And to give of your talents. Come on. The children's ministry need you. The ushers need you. The poor people behind that desk. You saw this morning. Family. Or oh, a whole budget on Prozac. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> hey. Lots of hands. The work becomes little. Let's create the momentum. Let's move out of this place, please. Let's move into a large facility. Let's get a platform that will tell the city we are serious. That when Unveiled walks into the mayor's office, like I've done in the past, they take us seriously. That when we say certain things to the politicians, they have to listen. That we can get involved in our community. That when we go to Apple Park, there's more people from Unveiled than there are children. Amen? Come on. Now we are thankful for the world donating certain things. But this is our responsibility. Amen. Every eye closed and every head bowed. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we thank you for what you've done the past 16 years. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your grace and your mercy. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can remember your goodness. For a moment, you might be here this morning, sitting here, you might be watching at home. And you say to me, Pastor, there's not something I can remember. If I look back, I don't have that relationship with Jesus where I can say I remember what he's done. My friend, today is your moment. Today is the day where you can come to Jesus and say, Jesus, be the Lord and the Savior of my life. Today, I can know that if I should blow out my last breath, I will be with Jesus. I will be in heaven and not hell. You see, we're not saying this just so that you can live a life where you saved from hell. No, we say this so that you can live a life that's saved and live a life of purpose and a life of destiny and not just float around. Or maybe you are here and you say to me, Pastor, it was a time where I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but as the days and months and years have gone by, I've backslidden. My life is a mess. Will you please pray with me? It will be my privilege and my honor to pray with you. If that is you this morning and you say, Pastor, please include me in that prayer. Right where you are watching this at home, right where you're sitting, turn your palms towards heaven. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for my sins. Right now, I receive the free gifts of grace and righteousness in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, 
that from this moment, I can call you Father in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's give God a hand. If you've prayed that prayer, listen, that's why we do these services. That's why I'm campaigning so hard for us to move into a proper facility that's large enough to accommodate people to come to Jesus. So that you can invite people and know they're not going to die of a heat stroke or anything like that, right? But that they can come and meet with Jesus. So if you've prayed that prayer for the first time, welcome to God's family. Grab one of these from the ushers, from the table there. If you're watching, whichever platform you're watching this on, please write to us. We'll get this to you. I promise it's for free and it will explain the decision that you've just made. Amen? Amen. I know it's very hot. We're just going to partake of communion. Thank you, brother. You're on a timer, bro. Sorry, I used all your time. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks, Mr. Norman. I'll make it quick. Ashes can give the communion. Good morning, church. I'm on time, right? I'm kidding. Um, let's just share communion together this morning. And the scripture we're going to read from is from Acts 2, the second book of Acts. It says from verse 42, it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing, sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. I'm not saying we share, we're selling. We're having communion. <laughs> Don't just grab that and shut down. We're having communion. Verse 46 is what I want us to also focus on. It says they worshipped together. So this is a form of worship. As we break bread, we are worshipping. So they worshipped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. As they continued to fellowship in breaking bread, in expressing generosity, the Lord added to them. Amen? So we're celebrating 16 years. So we are celebrating 16 years. It's going to be a celebratory way of fellowshipping. What are we celebrating? We're celebrating, I like what you said, Pastor Norman. That's, that was my first point. We're celebrating the compassionate love of the Lord. That's what we are celebrating, compassion. Because he died for us so that we can become his. He took our sins and gave us his righteousness. We need to remind ourselves, remember that, and celebrate it. And that's why we're having this fellowship, to celebrate that with the breaking of bread. And as we celebrate, he adds to the church. Amen? We remember and celebrate the favor that surrounds us. Because with the breaking of bread, we have, we have favor in the Lord. And his favor surrounds us every day. His favor surrounds us. What, also, what else are we celebrating? We remember and celebrate the miracles that he has performed in the past 16 years, carrying us up to this point. It's miraculous. And for the next 10 years, with revival, with restoration that is coming, it's his ways of showing us and continuing in the miraculous way of doing things as we celebrate fellowship together with him. Amen? What else are we celebrating? We are celebrating the blessing that we have in the future that we're stepping into. In the journey that we're getting into, there are blessings that we still need to walk into that we've not seen before. Have you not seen? Amen? Do you not understand? And we remember and celebrate the healing that we've received from him 
and the healing that will still walk in with him. We remember and celebrate the joy, the peace, and the love that he expressed to us when he hung on the cross and surround, gave up his life. We remember that and celebrate that. And finally, we remember the provision, the abundant provision and wealth that he has, that he has made available to each and every one of us. That's why when we have communion, we have the bread, we have the wine, the juice. It's because he has favored us. He has made it available to us. And when we take this bread, we remember the love that he expressed to us. If you believe it, say, I believe it, and I receive it. Let's take the bread. And with the juice, he says, his blood becomes our confirmation of the New Testament or the new life that we are stepping into, the new covenant that we are entering into with him. And with this juice or this blood as we, as we take it right now, we are saying, we thank him for the 16 years that he's carried the ministry. And we thank him for the 16, 16 years that are still ahead of this ministry. In Jesus' name. If you agree, say, I agree. I believe it, and I, be, and I receive it. Let's partake. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, mighty God. Thank you for the opportunity to have fellowship with you. We thank you for the gift of your love and your peace and your healing and your restoration that is flowing in this place. We receive each and every one of us, Lord, and we give you all the praise and all the adoration. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, Pastor Nipo. Just watch the screens for the announcements. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Ensure that you stay informed by following us on social media or join our WhatsApp broadcast list by sending us a text and saving our numbers in your phone. We'd love to stay in touch. Do you want to feel like you make a difference? Then become part of our team. We have a large number of opportunities for you to serve the cause of Christ. From teaching in our children's ministry to making attendees at home in our service. Find out more at the welcome desk. Do you need someone to pray with you in person? Our experienced intercessors are standing by to pray with you in front of the stage after the service. We encourage you to make use of this opportunity. Please help us tidy the hall by dropping your youth communion cup in one of the blue buckets at the exit. There's no need to rush home. Please join us for a cup of coffee and a chat after the service. Let us take a vision with us as we go. We want to see Jesus Christ unveiled in every heart and every home. Have a wonderful week. How I many of you glad you came to church this morning? Come on, and you lose some weight, you know, sweating it all out. Yeah. <laughs> so please don't rush off. There's some refreshments. Let's party together. Let's just celebrate. Say hi to somebody you've never said hi to before. Mingle. Chat to each other. Amen. Amen. Just sit like this. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord makes his face to shine upon each and every one of you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that as we go into this coming week, Lord, we know, we expect revival, renewal, restoration in our lives. You are good, Lord. I thank you for your healing power that's manifesting over each and every one under the sound of my voice watching at home right now. I pray, Lord Jesus, for your blessing. I pray, Lord Jesus, for your protection. You keep us and our loved ones safe, safe from any harm, disease, or sickness, safe from any virus, mutated virus. 
I thank you, Lord Jesus, that good things are coming our way in this day because you love us. If you believe it, shout amen, somebody. Amen. Bless you guys. Listen, I know you've got a WhatsApp group where you watch up each other like, are we going to stay away and test Pastor Norman's faith this week? <laughs> Delete that group in Jesus' name. I'll see you all here next week and bring somebody along. Amen? Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. <laughs>